0: This is Very Bold, radio and podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. I need help now. I need help now. I'm not messing around. I need some help right now. I am desperate. Do you care? Do you care? I'm Steve Teal with Very Bold Ministries, and today's Simple Man Bible Study, we are talking about prayers, those kind of prayers. I am desperate. I need you today, God. I need you yesterday. I need you right now to show up. So I'm not talking about the pretty prayers, the these and the thous and all those things where you say a prayer and then uh, people turn to you and say, oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a nine. I'm talking about desperation prayers where we need Jesus to come through now. So immediate prayers, urgent crisis mode prayers, not messing around. Help me, Jesus. Help me now. Can I ask you, when's the last time you prayed a desperate prayer? Maybe five minutes ago, maybe a minute ago, you know the kind I'm talking about, right? You've heard of an ugly cry. We're talking about an ugly prey. It's not beautiful. Today, let's consider our own desperate situations and circumstances. If you've come through them because Jesus brought you through, then praise God, I'm so glad you did. Or if you're in the middle of those kind of circumstances and challenges right now, where it calls for desperate prayers. They're the kind of prayers like 12 followers of Jesus in the middle of a storm that is about to defeat them, they think, about to kill them, they think, and Jesus is over there curled up for a nap. Ain't nothing pretty about looking over, and Jesus, the teacher, is over there just deep REM sleep While you fear for your very life, do you relate to that on any level? At that point, you can toss aside the these and the thous and you ain't coming with thy will be done, Lord. No, there's no pontificating your prayer. It's just wake up. Wake the heck up, Jesus. We need you now. Don't you care? So let's be honest. Let's get real. Have you had that prayer before? What was the cause of it? Not to pry, but I will anyway. What was the desperate situation? Or I'll just come up into your kitchen. What is the desperate situation? Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. God has given me the opportunity and the gift to pray for people and to see transformation. So let me pray for you. I will tell you right now, you can email me, steve at verybold.com steve at verybold.com. Let me pray for you and let's see what God does. I will pray for you. And I will also pray for you at the end of this broadcast. So hang in there. Don't go away. If you're in a wake up Lord right now moment, don't go away. I will be honored to pray for you. I can't promise that it will be a pretty prayer may not be an eight or a nine, but if the Holy Spirit arrives and if the Holy Spirit brings his juice, that's right, the Holy Spirit juice. It may not be pretty, but it will be pretty effective. So again, email me, Steve at variable.com. Uh, you can message me if you're on variable, uh, if you're on Facebook, of course. Now, what if you knew Jesus personally? I mean, yes, if you have put your faith in Jesus as crucified for your sins, raised to life as your Lord and Savior, You do know Jesus personally, but here I'm talking about the first century, like one of the apostles, one of the 12, or one of the disciples, whether men or women. What if you saw him with your own eyes tell a man who had been an invalid for 38 years to get up and walk, and you saw the man get up and walk? a man who doesn't even know Jesus and you yourself have even seen him lying there at the pool call called Bethesda and you're following Jesus that day. And Jesus goes up and asks the man, do you want to get well? And you listen as the man gives his answer. And then Jesus says, get up, get up, take your bed and walk. And the man gets up and walks. And don't you imagine he probably does like a celebration, a touchdown dance right there. He's got to check out his new moves. What would that miraculous sign do for your faith in Jesus? Okay. What about if later you're hanging out with Jesus and you see another man, another beggar, actually, that you recognize? You've seen him many times begging, maybe even a few times you helped him out. This is a blind man. Not just like eyes went bad, like my eyes are going bad over time. Not like that. No, if you know the story, the man was blind from birth. Now, you've not only seen these miracles, but your closest friends have also personally witnessed Jesus heal lepers of their skin diseases, cast out demons from people. You've seen Jesus healing a paralyzed man lowered through a roof. Come on now, that's amazing stuff. Even raise a couple of people back to life one of them right in the middle of the funeral procession. And yes, you have seen from these eyewitnesses, they have told you about how they were in the boat when the storm hit and that they were fear fearful for their lives and Jesus is over there taking a nap. And then he just gets up and says, stop it, still, be still to that storm. Maybe that's what Jesus wants to say to you today in the storm of desperation that you're in, be Still. Be still. And do you feel the comfort of Jesus Christ? Some of you don't. Some of you do. Be still. Jesus wants to speak to your desperation right now. Can you imagine though, we walk up with Jesus to this man who is born blind? Can you imagine the anticipation when Jesus starts to talk to this man? Would you not be anticipating something like oh, something good's going to happen? Something good's going to happen. Football season. I mean, just real quickly, if I watch a football game with one of my favorite quarterbacks like Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or Spencer Rattler, If I'm watching the game, there's an anticipation because I know they do spectacular things on the football field. So when I'm watching, I'm just waiting to see what highlight they're going to do that I'm going to go on my DVR and watch like 20 times right then and there and then catch up live later. But imagine, however, to follow Jesus around on a regular basis and also being close friends with the apostles and disciples that traveled around with him as part of the crew And always catching you up on all the latest miraculous signs and wonders that he's done. I mean, like, how would you not be there watching Jesus talk to this blind man? How would you not be like, oh, this is going to be good. Don't blink. I mean, I'm ready to get my popcorn. How is Jesus going to do this? But then Jesus throws you off a little bit because instead of just saying, you're healed, brother. Open your eyes. Watch this. Jesus spits on the ground. You're watching. What? What is he doing? You just want him to say the word. The man is healed. You're like, yes, you're giving high fives to each other. He spits on the ground. Wouldn't you be like, where is Jesus going with this one? I'd turn to the person next to me. What's going on here? Then you watch him bend down and you, he makes a little clay out of the dirt and his spit. You might be shaking your head at this point. Then he takes that same kind of mud clay and he puts it and anoints the man's eyes with it. It just got weird, right? Still, I would be anticipating, okay, Jesus now just say the words, do the stuff, Jesus, do the stuff. A lot of times in my life when I'm desperate, I'm just waiting for Jesus to do the stuff, to calm the storm, to open my eyes, to open your eyes, do the stuff. But then Jesus says to the man born blind, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Go wash in the pool. Siloam. Honestly, this, I'm not trying to be funny here. It's going to sound like I'm trying to be funny. I'm not, but go to another location and wash off the mud. That doesn't seem very fair to me to a guy who's blind. Like he just wants to see, and you're telling a blind man, go somewhere else and then wash and be healed. Well, we'll get to that. If you were there. Would you be disappointed that Jesus didn't just heal the man immediately? Or is that just me? Do you like the anticipation? I think I would be a little disappointed because I want to see the miraculous. I still want to see it today. I love when Jesus shows up. But that day, if I was there, I want to experience it and I want to watch Jesus do the stuff. (laughs) Observation. One, someone needs to help the blind man to the pool of Siloam. Someone needs to help the blind man to the pool of Siloam. Now, here's just a throwaway observation. Grab your own water. It's just a throwaway. Jesus likes to involve others in his miraculous works. So question, would you, if you were there that day, would you stay with Jesus who is just sending this man on a quest, on a mission? Would you stay behind with Jesus or... Would you be the one to say, hey, sir, let me help you to get to the pool of Siloam? You ever play that game? Would you rather? Would you rather do this? Would you rather do that? Which one would you rather stay with Jesus or go and either help the man get to the pool of Siloam? I know some of my people that are watching you would be helping that man to the pool of Siloam. I would be option three. I've just listed two. (laughs) I would follow the man to see if a miracle is going to happen. If you are on Facebook live, leave me a comment below right now. Would you stay with Jesus or would you help the man to the pool or just follow out, follow him out of curiosity and anticipation? I'm just curious. This is not a test. I'm just curious. So you can leave that below. I would probably be option three. I would ask Jesus, where are you going next? Where are we going to meet up? I'll catch up with you, but I've got to see what happens here with this man born blind when he goes and washes off your spit and mud. If you follow the man to the pool or or help get him there, I'm thinking of specific people that I know that tune into this broadcast, and I'm picturing you helping that man. You you have such a giving Helpful, thoughtful, serving, compassionate spirit about you. Jesus is so pleased. And I see you. I can picture people right now just walking with that blind man. Here, let me help you. I'm going to say one name that comes to me right now. Joe Seacrest. I picture her walking that man to the pool. I picture others too. I'm just going to mention Joe. So can you imagine... This man's hope or anticipation along the journey or his doubts or his questions, because Jesus doesn't instruct the man, hey, go and wash, but don't have any questions or doubts along the way. Or if you do, you're going to mess it up. I think sometimes we fear that Jesus wants to answer something. But if we just have some doubts and questions, Jesus is going to be like, no, 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 too bad. Sorry about your luck. On this this occasion, he just says, go and wash. Yes, there's faith. We're going to talk about it. But he's just saying, go and wash. So if you were the man born blind, what kind of questions do you have as somebody's helping lead you to the pool of Siloam? You just met Jesus. Maybe you've heard stories about this miracle man. So along the way, do you believe? Do you at this point just kind of, well, I hope, What? might as well give it a shot. What do you think? What do you feel? I do think, speaking of faith, it is worth noting that Jesus does ask for some faith here and obedience, but it does not mean that the man doesn't deal with some sort of questions of doubts and hopes and questions along the way to the pool of Siloam. This is another observation, but it's not a throwaway. It's a keeper. (laughs) I do enjoy in the Gospel of John how often when there is a miraculous sign and wonder that in the Gospel of John, there is almost always an invitation to faith and obedience. We'll talk about it. This is John's Gospel, not necessarily Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John makes a point of it in the signs that he has chosen. Jesus invites even the smallest act of faith or trust, and often it is a step of obedience. There is a direction from Jesus. In John's gospel, do something. Jesus is not asking for the world here. He's not asking for huge faith. He's not asking for a truckload, a busload of faith. He's just asking for some faith and, and some step of obedience. So here, of course, Jesus says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That is the direction. You, man, you do this. You go and you wash. The man born blind has to take a step of faith and obedience with help from some friends and leave Jesus' presence and go to a pool some distance away. You know, it may be implied, but what's recorded by John, our gospel writer, Jesus doesn't even promise the man the outcome he is undoubtedly hoping for. Jesus just says, go and wash. And he says, which pool, Siloam, but Jesus doesn't promise you'll be healed. Yeah, it's implied or understood maybe, but I'm just saying Jesus doesn't say it. And sometimes that's how he works with us. He asks for a step of obedience, a little bit of faith, but he doesn't even say what he's going to do. You can just trust that something, it's going to be good. Go back. The gospel of John, Jesus turns the water into wine what's the step of obedience? Jesus says, fill those six huge containers full of water. That's the step of faith and obedience. Now, the servants who had to do the work, they didn't have to have any faith. It was Jesus' mother, Mary, who has the faith. She tells the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. They obey, even though they don't have any faith. Again, They're involved in this miracle. Jesus loves to involve other people in the miracles, but they don't have to have faith. They're just submitting to Mary's orders, really. In that case, Jesus does not say, if you will fill those huge containers up with water. By the way, that that takes a while, y'all. I just want you to know that takes a while. 120 to 180 gallons, that takes a while. Jesus doesn't say ahead of the miraculous sign. If you fill those containers up, again, 120 to 180 gallons, then the water will be turned to wine. Jesus doesn't say anything about that. He just says, fill them up with water. That's it. Jesus doesn't specify the miracle ahead of time. He doesn't call the shot, even though he knows what he's doing. He's keeping that a secret. He knows what he's doing, but he's not telling you. He's just saying, do this little step of obedience, which takes some time and a little bit of effort. So today, is he telling you something to do without telling you what the final outcome is? And out of obedience and faith, you're going to respond and do that. That's what he wants. Man, that's good stuff right there. That's no throwaway stuff. Come on. Come on. That's good stuff. You know that, right? At the end, I'm going to be praying that Jesus shows you just a small step of faith. Just a little something of obedience you can do, whether he reveals it just like that, whether you know right now through the Holy Spirit what it is that you need to do or whether that answer is coming after you fill those gallons and gallons, whatever it is, Jesus is bringing that answer. John chapter four, a man's son is at the point of death. That's desperation. That's desperation. Finds Jesus and his request is pretty simple. That Jesus comes to Capernaum from Cana to heal his son. Jesus instead gives the man a step of faith and obedience. Go, your son will live. Just go, your son will live. The step of faith in obedience is go, take my word, he will be well and live. It says the man believed the word of Jesus and returned home. Without Jesus... That would be hard to leave Jesus and trust him that his word is going to come true. But this man does that. And while on the way, his own servants come to tell the man, your son is fine. He's better. And the dad finds out this happened at the exact time, the exact hour. Jesus said, go, your son will live. How about that invalid man we mentioned earlier? Jesus said to that invalid, get up, take up your bed and and walk. That requires faith or at least obedience to try to stand up when you haven't stood up for 38 years. But when the man does, he's healed. So where's the desperate prayer we talked about at the beginning? Well, I bet that dad who came to Jesus was pretty desperate. But no, I'm talking about here again, what if you were one of the followers of Jesus who saw the man born blind now seeing everything or the invalid man now walking and dancing, What about when one of those close, close followers of Jesus has a problem? A crisis needs Jesus' help now. Wouldn't it be nice to have seen Jesus do these miraculous signs for strangers and to know, to know, hey, Jesus of Nazareth loves me. We are tight. We are friends. We are close friends. I tell Jesus I love him. And Jesus says right back, no hesitation. I love you. It's nice to have connections like that, right? You have that connection. I know it may feel different because you haven't followed Jesus around day by day watching him perform the miraculous signs. But if you've believed in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So crisis hits a village called Bethany. A crisis, urgent need for Jesus hits a family in Bethany, two sisters. Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus, much loved by Jesus, is sick and is only getting worse. But you, Mary, Martha, you love Jesus. Lazarus, too. Jesus loves you. So no worries, right? You've personally witnessed and have also heard those countless stories from eyewitnesses, the miraculous signs Jesus has done. So when your brother, one of Jesus' best friends, is sick and yes, even dying, you know exactly what to do. Get Jesus. Get word to Jesus quick. Maybe when the messenger you send to Jesus tells the teacher, the Messiah, that your brother Lazarus is dying, you would probably have two thoughts. One is when that messenger gets to Jesus, and we're talking about two to three days away is where it seems Jesus is. You're thinking that Jesus might just say the word just as he did with that dad who he healed the son, just said the word, go. So you're probably even timing it out, knowing that it's a two to three day journey, knowing that the messenger will probably find Jesus about this time. And you're thinking, you're watching your brother. Is he getting better right now? Because... If Jesus just says the word, he's going to be healed. You have it timed out. Number two, if that doesn't happen, you are certain that Jesus is on his way to come to heal Lazarus, right? Is that fair? So if you are Martha or Mary, I want you to imagine your messenger returning to Bethany and walking up to your home to tell you, I told Jesus, just like you said, the one whom you love is sick, please come at once. But Jesus just what? Took it in? We don't know. It said, well, thank you for letting me know. I'll consider that. What did Jesus say to this messenger? No idea. Whatever it was, I can't imagine it did Martha and Mary's heart much good when this messenger shows back up and there is no Jesus with him. As days pass, let's talk about desperation and frustration. Can't you imagine that? Why would Jesus ignore your pleas? Desperation, frustration. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in a desperate spot, frustrated spot? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Where is Jesus? Show up. Have you ever felt that? I have too. It leads to some ugly prayers sometimes. Read some of the Psalms if you think, It's just you and me doing those ugly prayers. It's David, too. Sometimes in our desperation and frustration, we find that we are exactly in the center of God's will. I got to say that again, not for you, but for me. (laughs) Sometimes in our desperation and frustration, we find that we are exactly in the center of God's will, plan, and purpose. That's a hard place to be, isn't it? desperation, frustration, come on, Jesus, come through, do it again, you heal, that's what you do, you raise the dead, you expel the evil spirits, you make the blind to see again, the lame to dance, come on, Jesus, we are desperate here, I need your help now, desperate, do you care or not, Jesus, do you care or not? Now, we know deep in our spirit, and sometimes that frustration kind of buries it, but we know deep in our heart, deep in our spirit, deep in our soul that Jesus does care. Jesus does care about you deeply, deeply cares about you. He can be both sorry that you're going through this crisis, through this scary time, through this broken time, and allow you to go through it, and yet Jesus cares deeply about you. Let Jesus demonstrate that to you. Let Jesus tell you that today. I know, listen to Jesus say this. I know this is rough. I know this is hard. I don't deny that. I also know that I am with you. I also know that you believe in me. I know that you trust in me. I will not let this end in defeat. I will not let this end in defeat. I won't let this end in death. I am with you. I hurt with you. I hurt with you. Even though I know I am the one who is, I am the resurrection and the life. I am with you. I will never abandon you. Two, Jesus also cares about your faith, your trust, your relationship with Him growing, developing, getting stronger. This is such a hard fact of faith. Don't you just sometimes pray, Jesus, just care a little bit less about my faith getting stronger through these trials. Just care a little bit less, Jesus. Let's just get to the, let's get to the end. Why, why four days waiting on Lazarus? Just make it a day, make it an hour. Come on, Jesus, come through. But Jesus will allow us to go through crises, pain, challenges, opposition, spiritual attack in order to strengthen our faith when Jesus does come through when Jesus comes through, which Jesus will come through. Let your spirit, let the frustration kind of move to the side, just push it to the side, that desperation for a minute. So your spirit can receive and hear Jesus will come through. Jesus comes through. Even though say, Oh no, Steve's about to add an asterisk. He said, "He said, even though, however, Steve's about to add an asterisk, he's about to do it. Yes, I want you to see Jesus' glory today in unmistakable power or tomorrow or tonight or two days from now. You understand me? I want you to see and know and experience Jesus. Oh, Jesus showed up. Jesus' answer came. Jesus showed off. I want you to be able to say, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. But I'll add that asterisk that, however, that even though just as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said to the king before they were thrown into the fiery furnace, our God is able to save us. Our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bound to you. We're not bound to anything or anybody or anyone except for the true one, true living God. Jesus will get the glory out of this thing, this thing that you're in, this trial that you're in, this trouble that you're in, this desperation that you're in. Jesus will get the glory out of this thing. Maybe not the exact way or the exact timing. That's almost certain. But Jesus will get the glory out of this situation. Jesus will get the glory out of this challenge. Jesus will get the glory out of this problem. And in the process, your faith will grow and get stronger and get muscles and get traction that you need. You need. Now, Believe me, do you think Martha and Mary were sitting back like, Oh man, I hope Jesus takes his sweet time. (laughs) I I hope Jesus delays longer so he can bring Lazarus back to life. Oh, I hope Jesus waits until Lazarus is two days dead so everyone will know Jesus has power. Do you think they were just hoping on day three? Oh, that's okay. I hope he doesn't come today. I hope he comes tomorrow because that's really going to impress some people and really build up my faith. No. Martha and Mary, like you and me and Lazarus, before his death wants jesus there pronto asap yesterday come through jesus <sighs> maybe this is for me not you jesus brings his best answer in his best timing to reveal the most glory and to build up your faith man that was a mouthful but that's that's a heartful Jesus brings his best answer in his best timing to reveal the most glory and to build up your faith. I almost want to say a third time. I'm not going to do it. You got to rewind. (laughs) And Jesus does it with compassion, with empathy, with coming alongside of you, with hurting with you through the pain and through the tears. Even though Jesus knows, Abba Father knows, the Holy Spirit knows, glory and good is coming out of what looks like defeat and feels for real as desperation. And yes, frustration, Jesus cares. This is why John eleven thirty five is one of my favorite Bible verses. It's those two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept those two Two words. This is also after we learn that Jesus, watching them grieve and mourn, was deeply moved. We have a God who has compassion and empathy and comes alongside those who are hurting, those who are grieving, those who are feeling pain, desperation, and frustration. Jesus can and does weep with us. Can you feel Him with you in your situation? Yet, Jesus is powerful. What an interesting picture. Jesus both weeps and also knows at the same time, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm about to do something amazing. I'm about to do something powerful. They don't even know what's going to hit them. Here comes that faith. That Jesus is looking for. Here comes that faith that Jesus desires. Here comes that obedience Jesus is looking for. Here comes that Jesus who thoroughly seems to enjoy letting others be a part of his miraculous. Maybe today you're supposed to be a part of somebody else's miraculous. You could have read this story 10,000 times, but let the Holy Spirit again push aside that frustration, push aside those doubts and those questions. And let the Holy Spirit again reveal the glory of Jesus to you. Jesus gets to the place, a cave, big stone rolled against it, laying against it. Jesus now says four words. We go from Jesus wept two words to these four words. Take away the stone. Take away the stone. He is, he's not doing it himself. He's not stepping up to the stone and doing it. He's saying to the people gathered there, to Martha and Mary, hey, here's your faith. Here's your obedience. Take away the stone. Jesus hasn't said what he's about to do. He just says, take away the stone. Martha responds with beautiful faith and expectation. That was sarcasm. Martha responded like a lot of us would. (laughs) Uh, Lord, it's going to stink in there because he's been dead for four days. Aren't you glad when she says that, hey, Lord, we roll away, we take away that stone, it's going to stink. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't just walk away? Nope, you failed, Martha. Not enough faith. Didn't come through. Didn't just say, okay, take away the stone. No, that's not how Jesus works. Not our compassionate, empathetic, come alongside of us in our desperation and frustration and pain and hurt. Not our Jesus. Not our Jesus. Not our God, not our Abba Father. We cry out, Abba Father. John eleven forty. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? John eleven forty. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Can you hear Jesus say those words to you today? Whatever you're facing, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, meaning Martha said, all right, Jesus, and somebody, some group walked up to that stone and rolled it away, took it away. That This is the act of obedience. Take away the stone. Jesus doesn't always do every little thing for us. Sometimes Jesus has an act of obedience to activate, to help bring his miraculous answer to life. This is it. He doesn't roll away himself. He waits for faith and obedience. He allows us, invites us. When he sends the man to the pool of Siloam, he's involving and inviting him in the miraculous process with that small step of obedience. And he wants to do the same with you. He allows you and invites you to be part of the glorious answer. Ah, It's beautiful. And as I said also, he involves other in others in his miraculous sign. Some anonymous crew did in fact fill the containers with water turned to wine. And some anonymous crew here did the dirty work and took away the stone. And guess what? Martha was right. It would stink and it did stink. Martha wasn't wrong, but Jesus wasn't done. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Then he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did hands and feet bound with linen strips, face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. I pray that. As you hear those words, Lazarus come out, that the Holy Spirit would speak to your spirit, to you, and say, I'm bringing resurrection, I'm bringing life, I'm bringing the answer that you need, whether you want, it's the answer you need, and I'm in it, and I'm here for you, and then unbind him and let him go. So can I ask you again, are you desperate for Jesus to show up today? I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, but I also want to prayers, not just one way. I want you to listen. This is an invitation to listen. Maybe, maybe that is your obedience and faith to listen and to be quiet just for a minute and let Jesus speak to you through his spirit. It's hard to listen when we're desperate. It's really hard when we're desperate. Those prayers go one way a lot of the time, a lot of monologues. It's just hard, but this might be the step of faith and obedience. Would you listen anyway, even though it's hard? Would you stop? Could you pause? Do you have enough trust that if Jesus asked you to do something today, a small act of faith, well, we've got to give him the opportunity to ask us to do something. So let's pray and let's listen. I won't listen forever because I know I'm on video and I know on the podcast, I'll give you a little bit of time, but let's listen. I'll I'll guide us, but I want to give some air in there for you to listen. Let's pray. Lord God, Jesus, Abba, Father, you are the one who calls to life things that are dead, are hopeless. They're not hopeless because you are God. You are the one who says, let there be light. Let there be life. Take away the stone go to the pool and wash whatever it is that you say you bring life. So Lord, I pray that for someone who is watching, I pray for everyone that's watching that they will hear your spirit speak to them, even a small act of obedience or faith today. So Lord help us to listen. We're just, we're with you. Our situation, it looks like, uh, it looks like a grave. It looks like that that cave, and the stone is in front of it. And we feel like the situation is hopeless and dead. It's behind the stone. And, Lord, we roll up. We are there with you, and we're thinking it's hopeless, and we think that it stinks, and we think there's no reason, nothing. Jesus, you either say to us now, take away the stone or speak something uniquely to our situation, something small, that we can do, but requires some faith and obedience. So Jesus to each one of us, we're listening. What do you tell us to do? Take away the stone or what? Did you hear something in your spirit? If you didn't hear anything, I know some of you did. I know for a fact, some of you did. You can message me if you want on Facebook, or you can send me an email, Steve at Verybold.com, because Jesus just spoke to you. I would love to hear what that is, and I know some of you, you you didn't hear it. You needed a little bit more time, and what I invite you to do after we're finished here is go in your mind and imagine that you're walking up, and you see that cave, and you see that stone, and you see a crowd gathered there, and you just think it's hopeless, and you hear Jesus say, didn't I tell you, if you believed, you would see my glory? And then say, Jesus, well what do you want me to do? You want me to take away that stone? What do you want me to do? You picture it, be there with Jesus, and then listen. Just listen. If you don't get anything, say, Jesus, I'm still waiting. What do you want me to what do you want me to do? You want me to go to the pool of Siloam? I mean, what do you want me to do? What's that step of obedience? And listen and let Jesus talk to you. Then you can still email me, Steve at Verybold dot com. Steve at Verybold dot com. That's my message. For today, I do want to pray for you one last time. I want to pray for you one last time. Lord Jesus, bring your life to that one person that's just holding on. Jesus, let them see you at the gravesite, at the cave. Let them see that you're you're tear-stained. You've wept. You hurt with them. Maybe their answer is not coming for four days. Maybe it's not coming for two days. Maybe it's coming in four weeks. Maybe it's coming in your perfect timing and it sure doesn't look perfect to us. May they see you and just see and understand you care deeply and that your answer is coming. And for some people that are watching today in desperation, I pray that your answer Okay. I want you Lord, you know me. You know I want to pray that it comes right now. And it might be that step of obedience and faith that comes right now, but I pray within 4 days. I know you waited even longer. He was dead for 4 days. You waited a couple days to even start moving towards the situation. But I pray within 4 days. Today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. By Monday that they have seen and beheld your glory. Fair enough, Jesus. (laughs) And if not, if not, we got that asterisk. If not, we're not going to bow to another. We're going to worship you alone. We're going to trust you alone. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining me, hanging in through the allergies and through the water. And through all of it, I pray for you. I'll continue to pray for you. You can send me an email, steve at verybold.com. I will continue to pray for you. And let's see what God does. Let's see how he brings glory out of this garbage that you're going through. Let's see how he builds your faith. We do have such a great hope. We really do. It's a living hope. Peter said it. it's a living hope. Paul said it's a glorious hope. Just glory to glory. And I want you to experience that as we see together the glory of Jesus. So I remind you where Very Bold Ministries gets our name. I can remember the day I was reading it. Golly, that was a long time ago before Scott Munson and I did a video. That was when I was planning on moving to Arizona. I saw that scripture and I said, okay, we're Very Bold Productions because we're doing this video. I was going for a job in Arizona, and God said, nope, I got something better. And We stayed in San Antonio thanks to the grace and love of Milton Lewis. Got to do some amazing things with that church Northern Hills. Got to begin very bold ministries then in 2003, January 1. We are still completely faith-supported by friends and families, uh, teammates and partners that come on board so we can inspire, encourage, equip and evangelize. And I would love for you, if that's you today to join, join our team, our very bold team. And, uh, just reach out to me, Steve at verybold.com. If you haven't caught that yet, Steve at verybold.com. And I will let you know how you can give today and become a part of our team. I am so grateful for our team. We, we cannot do it without you. So thank you. And I would love to have a few new team members today. So anyway, that got just a little, you know, reminiscing about how God does things that seem unlikely. And uh, God is just good. God is good. He's bringing that good news to you. So Paul wrote, this is where we got our name from, Second Corinthians 3.12. And then we'll sign off. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com